Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Freaking first cut. Golly! Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman, and this is your round one recap of this week's WGC Dell Technologies match play. And joining me to break it all down is Mark Immelman, who, Mark, you have a a unique uh, viewpoint of the tournament this week. Where are you? Well, I'm calling the action for a PGA Tour Live. um, And you're not supposed to know this, but we have a, a studio in St. Augustine, Florida. So I'm right next to the World Golf Hall of Fame uh, in my hotel room now at the uh, Renaissance, which is very, very pleasant. I'm overlooking the golf course here, the Slammer and the Squire. So if you watch the Gary Player commercial on television. But anyway, so I mean, it, we, we're in a studio there with a number of screens and I'm seeing all manner of golf all day long. And we've been going since 6.30 a.m. this morning. So it's yes, been a long day have. full of golf. Because I was listening at uh, about yeah four thirty <laughs> my time or whatever it came on at, uh, um, but but you know before we get too deep into this, this is this is just one round, right? We saw some interesting results that we're going to talk about piece by piece here. But uh, just because your guy lost today doesn't mean you're out of it. it. Makes the path much harder to get out of your group, but still two rounds of this round robin to go. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, you said it a few times in our setup show yesterday, and I think it was match play chaos was the word you used. And yeah. and I've said because match play once or twice today, because it, it's it's the it's it's what 18 holes of match play represents. Head to head, mano a mano. Uh, you can play great and lose, you can play poorly and win. Um and the way the golf course set up with the overnight rains we had and um, also, the fact that it was so receptive, I don't think the golf course played as fiery, certainly, as what it should. And so, as a result, I think it kind of leveled the playing field a little bit because some of these hole locations, cut in bowls, cut on little perches and such like that, ordinarily, you have to be very precise. But today, with the greens being more receptive, they were playing slower. The putts just didn't have the fright factor about them. It was easier to get balls in close. So, I figure, I feel like it's sort of it just evened the playing field a little bit and, and sort of dulled the edges, if you will. And so that's why we saw a number of upsets sets, in my opinion. Mm, that's a good way to put it. Um, there is still madness going on on the basketball courts. And while that's in full swing, the Eye on College Basketball Podcast is your audio guide for the entire NCAA tournament. Gary Parrish and Matt Norlander will continue to provide breakdowns and daily recaps as we enter the second weekend of the tourney. If you want to watch the best March Madness analysis, follow the Eye on College Basketball Podcast anywhere you find this one. Mark, our number one seed, Dustin Johnson, escaped. Our number three seed, John Rahm, essentially went to the wire with Sebastian Munoz before. I told you. I told that you guys. Was, okay, there was that three-hole stretch in the middle where Munoz kind of yeah. gave that away to him, but Munoz played pretty well over the course of the day, so you absolutely right on that one. Um, but it was 
Bryson DeChambeau, who's probably one of the bigger upsets of the day at the hands of Anton Rosner, two up. Uh, I'm, I did not necessarily <laughs> see this one coming, but uh, quite the result that we got out there. Yeah, where's Kyle Porter when you need him? Because Kyle was joking about this guy yesterday afternoon, and lo and behold, he, he draws the big win of the day. And and you got to hand it to him. You know, Bryson didn't have his best ball stuff. He didn't have his fastball about him, certainly. But when it came down to it, Rosner did what he had to do. You know, he finished out real strong there. That shot he hit into 18 was just incredible. Off a tight lie up and over a tree in there nice and tight and forced Bryson's hand and Bryson came up wanting. So it happens. Um, like you point out, it's it's no guarantee that Bryson won't advance. In fact, if he doesn't, my bracket is in the tank because yep. I've got him going the whole way. Um, but it's the kind of thing where I've said this before and the one thing that jumps out to me about DeChambeau is that he knows exactly who he is. He knows exactly what he has to do. And he's got a really, in terms of recovering from a bad day, he's as good as any right now because he goes to the range or the putting green right away. He knows exactly where to go and look. He makes the adjustments on the fly and then typically comes out the following day and plays really well. So I would expect him to come out tomorrow, you know, have a bit of, bit of a better handle, certainly on putting the ball in play off the tee and giving himself a chance with the irons. Uh, because today, if you weren't hitting it in the right place, you were not putting defensively, but you had yourself 30, 40, 45 feet a lot. And those are just hard to make on greens with lots of undulation and slope. So I'm expecting he'll go and iron that stuff out, having played a little earlier, and be right as rain tomorrow. Let's try to dive into the brain of Antoine Rosner, who now uh, gets the big upset. You know, I think it's I think it's interesting when he enters this event. He's the 58 seed. He comes in off of a, a victory in, in Qatar uh, a couple of weeks ago, and the the big thing here is that he can kind of freewheel it in the first round, right? I think a lot of us, the talking heads, we've all picked Bryson to move on. There's no expectation that Rosner is going to win this match, but now he's one and zero in group five. Now, now does the pressure start for him? Like what, what is his mindset moving into days two and three? Well, he's sitting pretty because uh, the other two guys in the group, uh, Tommy Fleet, Fleetwood, Siwoo Kim, they halved. Yeah. So they're both sitting with a half a point. Bryson's got nil. So, Rosner right now is leading. So if he grabs one more win, that's essentially that, isn't it? Um, I, I'm not a mathematician, but he can't cinch it just yet. But right. but if he goes ahead and does the right thing, then who knows? But clearly there's one thing's for certain. A win like this today does so much for one's confidence. Now, he's not some scrub that stumbled his way into this field. He's won in Qatar, as you point out. So clearly he's got game. And that closing stretch of holes at Qatar where they play that event – they're not easy, and they are riddled with terror and disaster. And if you can navigate your way around there, that speaks to who you are, not just physically, but mentally. So he clearly has got some game uh, to hold off Bryson DeChambeau around this place. That's a big deal. And I'm sure he's feeling like a million francs this evening. <laughs> and I'm sure a glass of uh, a glass of claret or whatever they would drink over there, Bordeaux, is tasting uh, pretty good. Well done. Well done. Uh, the first match of the day, the one that I was watching on PGA Tour Live listening to you, Mark, was Ian Poulter and Rory McIlroy. And my goodness, uh, Rory got smacked six and five. Rory was all sorts of a mess. Ian Poulter, as he tends to do in match play, uh, smelled blood in the water and he stuck it to Rory. And it was one of the biggest. I'd have to go back and look. I think six and five. Webb got a six and five win. This is this is one of the biggest victories of the day. Yeah, it's a drubbing. Um, and and it all started to me. Um, Poulter jumped out early, but Rory hung around, hit a few good shots. 
Um, had a good look for birdie on the third hole, didn't convert. And then on four, he hits it inside of Polter, the short par three. Polter misses low, and Rory's got a chance to square up the match. And misses the putt low, which was honestly abysmal, given that he's seen the line, and whacks it past the whole four feet, then misses the next one. And you get the sense right away he's two down now through four and trying to force the issue. It's a not a quick left, but a pull draw out of bounds in someone's swimming pool. And that was essentially that, because Poulter is not going to give you an inch. Even if he's not playing well, he will find a way. He scraps and he claws and he he just sort of wears you out and he kept the pedal down. And, and to his credits, he didn't give anything. Rory made a bit of a run at him. But yes. then on nine, Poulter hit a sh- an approach shot two in there to about eight feet. There was a masterclass and uh, had the two-up lead through the turn. And then Rory, again, on 10, tough hole location, I must admit. And a number of players missed this little plateau that the ball was on. But Rory's inside of Poulter, 89 yards, I think it was, down the hill, spins it off the green. Understandable. It wasn't as big a, a miss as what I think people would have made of it. But then you've got a routine chip shot up the hill that he whacks like eight feet past the hole. And that speaks to me of a guy who's not completely mentally there. Mm. You know, he's probably still ruining the miss with a wedge. And he's probably thinking a little too deeply about technique as opposed to the basic pitch shot that's up the hill. Because I set it up. I was like, this one on the practice green, you make this one, you know, a couple times in a practice bag and the rest of them all tap-ins. And he just completely yeah. mishit it and hit it like eight feet by and made a bogey. And that was that. And um, then Poulter just added salt to the wounds with the way he finished there over the last little bit. But if there's good news for Rory, and I said this on the show, I'm like, he knows where he's going at least now. Well, a couple of weeks ago at the players, he wasn't that sure. But he has consulted with Pete Cowan and they've figured out a way and they're reverse engineering this golf swing. So they're going more from the downswing into the backswing than the other way around, which I like because it'll still let Rory play some golf. And having been first out this morning, he can go in, grab lunch, grab a nap, come back out, get some range time, and you know maybe figure a little something out, maybe get a little a little traction going on for a couple matches because in as much as what Poulter is now in the pound seat, it's not over. Rory didn't look very convincing today, but you know, if he knows where he's going and he finds a little something on the range, that's all you've got to do. It's 18 holes against someone, and you don't know tomorrow if someone else struggles with their game. You've just got to get by them. So anything's still possible. So we mustn't uh, – I don't throw the baby – I wouldn't throw the baby out with a bathwater just yet. Rory got within arm's reach at eight, and then as mentioned, Poulter rattles off five in a row. It's the largest – margin of defeats for Rory McIlroy in this event since 2011 when he lost eight and seven in the second round to Ben Crane. I would not have guessed that. You could have given me a thousand names to, to guess, Mark. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I never I, would have I, gotten I would, to Ben Crane. Yeah, I might have lost my mortgage on that. I would never have got, gotten that one. In fact, I've got Ben on speed. On, on, I'm going to shoot him a text and say, do you remember this? I'm sure he's forgotten. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Justin Thomas, our overall number two seed, had his hands full all day with Matt Kuchar. Kuchar wins two of the first three holes. He extends it. Kuchar was five up when they made the turn. JT did end up winning two more holes on the back, but it was too little, too late. Matt Kuchar wins three and two. Thomas looked lethargic to me. He really did. He fought a number of iron shots. We're going to the left-hand side. And and for Justin Thomas, who likes to cut iron shots, um, that speaks of, speaks of someone whose body rotation is not as on point as what it should be for the face to shut down. So I don't know if there's a, a post-players championship hangover um, going on over there with Justin Thomas, but 
it was a little surprising, but you cannot not credit uh, Matt Kuchar. The guy played awesome. He made like five birdies on the front side and then added one or two more on the back and closed out the match to his credit. So Kuchar looked like the Kuchar of old. You know, he was playing out of the middle of the fairway, getting good iron shots. And man, that long putter was like a magic wand in his hand today. So uh, it was a complete performance from the 52 seed. Kisner and Kucher are the winners in group two with JT and Louis stays in with some work to do uh, directly out of the department of that's match play was the Patrick Cantlay, Brian Harmon group. These guys were unstoppable, undeniable. I think they were one and two in strokes gained T to green, uh, or maybe not because Harmon was rolling in a bunch of putts. They made 14 birdies and an Eagle, but it's Brian Harmon who goes home with a loss mark. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know who it was on our setup show that called Brian Harmon advancing. It might've been Sierra maybe that said he was going to make it through here. And, and he's a, a plucky campaigner. You know, He's he gets a lot out of his game. And he won the U.S. Junior Amateur, which means you can play some match play. And he's a good ball striker, and he's a heck of a putter, we all know. But, you know, you just draw the wrong guy on the wrong day, and, and suddenly you don't have a win. And, and again, but kudos to Cantlay for getting through that because, you know, things can go wrong quickly around here, and you can get on the wrong side of one of these slopes, you know, lose a hole quickly, and then that snowballs a little bit. We saw that a bunch today. Um, and then the next thing you find yourself in the losing end. So Candle showed his class with that victory, and and I think um, it sort of sets him up for – I know it's early. I, I know we're still in round-robin matches for two days, but I think this win sets him up for uh, a big run. But I'll tell you what, I picked Carlos Ortiz um, in this match today against Matsuyama, and Ortiz is looking pretty dangerous too, the way he puts yes, it and the way he's playing. Yes, he is. He looked great on Wednesday. I almost said Thursday on Wednesday. Uh, we are going to look ahead to round two. We're going to see what William Hill thinks of what shook out on Wednesday. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. And we're back. Round two, Mark, as you mentioned, we are going back right at it again. Uh, the guys who lost on day one are, have some work to do on day two. And with Dustin Johnson winning his first round matchup, odds makers at William Hill are giving him the nod at nine to one to win the WGC Dell Technologies math, match play. Jordan Spieth and John Rahm. 10 to one mark. So a couple of big names brewing here, guys who won their first round matchup. Um, you know, Rom, Rom to me is always scary, but when he gets going and he gets, gets fist pumping, it's, it's just watch out. Well, we had him in feature groups coverage. So I saw every shot of the round and early in the day, he hoiked two balls off to the left over hand here, side yeah. and, and the fades it wasn't fading. And that's not a good recipe for this place because most of the holes, the troubles down the left off the tee. And so if you've got the fade going in the wrong direction, you're in for a long day. But he rebounded. He kept himself in it. Um, Sebastian Munoz was a manful competitor. He didn't back down for Rom whatsoever. And then Rom found it some. But there was a lot of Spanish hands on hips and moaning and did you see that and I can't believe it. And uh, we were picking up the that sound. And, and every shot Rom hit, it was like Adam, just hands waving all of the time. Yet the guy gets out there with a win. So he doesn't have his best stuff, but he finds a way to make it through. So for me right now, I'm saying Rahm, given his record in match play, he's been good here before, you've got to stay in front of him. But you know what? I've got Jordan Spieth going a long way. He's, he just cruised today, and he's going to do more of the same, and this golf course is going to get some rain tonight as the forecast. And so a soft place, him with a wedge, I think he's going to have a field day around this place. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I certainly agree. That 16 to one number on Patrick Cantlay, who we identified uh, leading into the week as would be, he'd be terrible to play against proved that on, on Wednesday, still hanging a 16 to one number before I let you go, Mark, here's, here's the quote from John Rahm that I love. He was, he was asked, okay, you know, the middle of the round, things got a little bit squirrely. What happened? He said, I just said, that's enough. And I turned it on. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice? <laughs> Wouldn't it be nice to just be able to do that, Mark? Just, you know what? It's time. I'm going to start playing now. Uh, yeah, my goodness. I, I don't know how you do that, but but he's that sort of a campaigner. He's got a very simple golf swing. There's not a whole lot of stuff going on. Um, so as a result, I think finding his groove, for lack of a better term, is easy. And and he's the kind of guy who's not afraid, afraid to play aggressive. Now, that doesn't mean – I don't mean by taking on stupid shots because he doesn't hit that. But he puts aggressively, and when he hits wedges, he hits wedges aggressively. And he and when he's got the right number in hand, he doesn't back down, and and everything within reason gets a chance. So that might have just been what he means by turning on. It's like, okay, I'm not going to leave putts short, or I'm not going to miss putts low, or I'm going to make sure when I go, I'm going hard so that club face neutralizes and I hit my fade. And so, you know, I can see where he sort of says that, but that must be a pretty cool gear to have. I must I must be honest. It certainly would be. That'll do it for our round one recap. We'll, of course, be back after round two and every round this week. But for now, that's Mark Immelman, who you can find on Twitter at Mark underscore Immelman. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time.